Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. A very odd, very interesting 24 hours in Wisconsin sports. Last time we talked, obviously, last night at 6 o'clock. So since then, the Brewers played their home opener last night. And it's already weird enough that the Brewers' home opener took place on August 3rd. It was like 66 degrees. Nothing like a typical home opener would be in a normal season. That game started at 7-10 last night. It didn't end until after 11. Took forever. I thought that game would never end. And then the Bucks played today at 12.30, so I'm sitting down at 11.45 here in the studio to get ready, start prepping the show, watch the game. And then there were NBA games on all day. I was watching my Kings, who, oh, God, the King, I cannot stand my Kings. I love them and I hate them. They lost in overtime to the Mavericks today. NBA games going all day. Major League Baseball games have been being played all day. The Twins already won. So I'll update you uh, on some scores, some division scores, and and what we know around the NBA and the MLB in the next hour or so while we're talking. I want to start with the Brewers, though. Last night's game was very, very odd. It it all of a sudden felt like we were playing a game in the last week of September, like we were playing a game for playoff seating because both managers were playing matchups. The starters last night for each team, Brett Anderson for the Brewers only went three innings, and the starter for the Sox only went two innings. And I was like, wait, I thought Council was the only one that did this kind of thing. 12 pitchers, all in all, were used in last night's game, which is probably why it took so long. Took over three hours. Didn't end until after 11. Very odd game. And I know the Bucs just played a couple hours ago. I don't really care about that game. We'll talk about that at 545. Let's start with the Brewers. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent evening. It's a beautiful day. Went for a nice long walk this morning. Almost feels like a fall day. It's excellent. Feels like football's coming up, and I hope football is coming up so we can talk about the Packers, talk about the Badgers. We don't have a lot of time for the Packers today. We'll get to them tomorrow. I I apologize if you really like breaking down every every word of Matt LaFleur's press conferences and what Aaron Rodgers says to the media. I, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try to do more of that on the show. I just, I, I get bored by it. I don't like listening to Matt LaFleur ramble. I don't like listening to Aaron Rodgers. We've heard it all, right? Jordan Love was drafted. Yes, fine. We'll get into that tomorrow. We'll talk Packers tomorrow. Right now, I want to focus on the Brewers because they had four days off. We're going to talk Bucks at 545, and at 530, we're going to connect with our friend Bart Winkler from the fan in Milwaukee, former UWL Eagle. Well, once an Eagle, always an Eagle. We'll talk to him coming up at uh, at 530 about the Brewers, and if we have time, we'll get to the Bucks too. I I want to start with last night. The Brewers are now three and four, and they just took four days off because, remember, they had last... Thursday off, and then Friday it was announced that their home opener was canceled. So they had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. I understand the Brewers are 3-4, and four, just only got to play their first game at home last night. I, I get it's early. I'm not overreacting to any loss to any game. That's not what I'm doing here today. I'm not panicked. I'm not sounding the alarm. None of that. And look, last night might have gone differently. If Craig Council brings in Phelps one batter sooner, if he relieves... Corbin Burns, one batter sooner. The Brewers might have won. Maybe Jose Abreu doesn't hit that home run. The game's different. Like like I said, we can't overreact to one game. We can't freak out to one game. Last night easily could have been a Brewers win. And if you watched, you know what I'm talking about. Greg Council did not bring in Phelps. He elected to go with Burns, who was pitching tremendously, but then ended up giving that home run to Abreu, which tied it. The Brewers then couldn't score, and they gave up two more runs 
in the eighth and the ninth. This is Crouncil's explanation of leaving Corbin Burns in to face Abreu the second time after he battled him for 10-plus pitches earlier in the game. It was it was the decision point, for sure, of the inning. And, you know, I mean, I, I just thought Corbin had enough. And then when he fell behind, it, you know, it was, a, you know, 3-0. A walk was a scenario. Um, not ideal, but just, just being careful to him. Um, and obviously that, that didn't play out. So we had to keep the ball in the ballpark there. You know, I was I was considering. I, I thought Corbin was throwing the ball absolutely great, though. I mean, you know, that at bat ended in a strikeout. The previous at bat ended in a strikeout. I mean, I think it's one you look back on and maybe second guess yourself. But I, I thought Corbin was throwing the ball beautifully too. You know, you know, I thought there was so much to like about how he's throwing the ball. This is why I don't want to overreact to last night's Brewers loss, or really any Brewers loss. I'm not trying to overreact ever. But the Brewers got to start winning more games than they lose if they want to hang in the division with the Cubs and they want to contend for a playoff spot, a couple extra playoff spots on the line this year. So it's no time to panic. But like Craig Council, he didn't say anything incorrect there. Orban Burns was pitching great, striking guys out, battling through hitters, and he ate a ton of innings in the middle of last night's game after Brett Anderson, what, went three innings in his first Brewer start and didn't do too well. He gave up two earned runs in the process. I don't disagree with anything Craig Council said. Last night easily could have been different if Craig Council just would have had a gut feeling and pulled Corbin Burns one hitter before he did. Maybe the Brewers end up winning last night. I'm not going to be overly critical of Craig Council today, even though the Brewers lost. Look, this this has to have been a miserable couple of days for Craig Council. Just miserable. Because it starts with the Brewers' home opener getting delayed on Friday morning. They got to cancel it because the Cardinals have covid So that game gets canceled, and then Lorenzo Cain announces that he's opting out, which is something that Craig Council's got to deal with. He's got to put out a statement and be the voice of the organization and, 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 you know, say the right things at the right times for Lorenzo Cain. And then on Saturday, bench bench coach Pat Murphy and one of Craig Council's closest friends gets a heart attack. He coached Craig Council at Notre Dame and and has been kind of his right right man or right-hand guy. I almost said right-wing guy, but we don't want to get political. Murphy has been Craig Council's right-hand man in Milwaukee, and then he has a heart attack on Saturday. And Craig Council uh, last night gave a good bit of perspective about the weekend, even considering last night's disappointing loss. I guess the way I look at it is when I was driving home from the hospital on Saturday night after after seeing him, you know, you think to yourself, man, this is a great day because my friend just had a heart attack and I just got to go see him and, he, and he's out of the procedure and he's, he's doing pretty good and the doctors are giving him a good diagnosis. So, you know, I don't, that's the only way you can think right now. I mean, there, there's so much going on and there's no other way to think about this. There, there was, there's certainly been a lot happening, um, but, but your friend survived a heart attack, um, you know, and, and he's... Um, home on out of the hospital already and and so you you just feel thankful um you know that that's how you feel Craig Council has shown some really good perspective the last couple of weeks I think even during summer training or spring training 2.0 when he said I'm not even I'm not even thinking about the regular season the regular season isn't on my radar we got to get through camp healthy and find a way to stay COVID free and get to the regular season I think Craig Council has been very good at managing and living and leading in the here and now, in the moment. And I thought that was a good bit of perspective, even though the Brewers blew it last night. They had a a multi-run lead late in the game, let it slip away. Craig Council probably wishes he would have pulled Corbin Burns a little bit earlier. But over the course of a season, that's the kind of thing Craig Council has to figure out. He needs to get to know his bullpen, needs to get to know each one of his relievers to know when to press which button. They played seven games. 
I'm not going to overreact to last night's game, and Craig Council certainly isn't, especially after the weekend that he had and the Brewers had with Coach Murphy and with Lorenzo Cain and with the cancellations and the, the Cardinals outbreak. I, I'm not, I'm not going to rip Craig Council apart, and I'm not going to overreact to this loss. The one small issue I have with Craig Council, and I guess it's more of a question, is what's the deal with Josh Hader? Because in two of the last three games the Brewers have played, and I know that's separated by a couple off days, but in two of the three games that the Brewers have played, they have blown a multi-run lead in the seventh inning or later. And Josh Hader hasn't even pitched in those games. It's really frustrating for the Brewers to have a multi-run lead in the seventh or the eighth inning and then lose never having used Josh Hader. That's really frustrating. Is Council saving him? Is Craig Council convinced that the season isn't going to finish anyway, so he might as well just rest Hader and not wear him out for no reason? I Look, we have become pretty familiar with the Josh Hader formula, and it's taken a couple of years, because a couple of years ago, we wanted him to be a starter, and then we realized, okay, he can be better utilized out of the bullpen, and then we wanted him to close, and then we figured out that he's better utilized not in one specific role, and then we wanted Craig Council to use him when the Brewers were losing, and then we figured out, no, he's an arm you got to save so you can really lock things down when you're winning, right? We have we have learned Craig Council's thought process and formula behind using Josh Hader. It's taken us years. I think we've finally figured it out. But the last couple of games have gone against the logic that Craig Council has always used and the strategy he's always used with Josh Hader. If the Brewers are up late in the game and it's close, Josh Hader's in the game if he's available. Now, maybe Craig Council's being cautious and not throwing Josh Hader out there too often because he's he's worried he's going to get hurt. Maybe the ramp-up period wasn't long enough and the on and off and the starting and the stopping and maybe. But then what does that say for for David Phelps, right? And Corey Knable, does Craig Council not care about the health of those pitchers? These are the issues that, that, that Craig Council's got to work through and strategize through this season. It is very frustrating for the Brewers to be blowing late game leads without ever putting Josh Hader on the mound. After Christian Yelich and, and this season, I mean, Christian Yelich hasn't exactly been great. Josh Hader is their best player. He's their most valuable player, and he helps them win games. He can't do that if he doesn't enter the game. It's the one question I'd ask Craig Council. Other than that, I, I really have no problem. I, I didn't have an issue with Council leaving uh, Corbin Burns in to face Abreu last night. I know he gave up the homer. But Craig Council learning, right? He's figuring out his relievers as we go, and they're only seven games in. I think by the end of the year, Craig Council will be in tune and know, all right, I'm going to go get Corbin, and I'm going to put in Josh Hader, or I'm going to put in Phelps. It's early on in the season. I don't have any issue with the pitching or how it's been handled, how it's been managed. I don't want to be obnoxious. It's not what I'm trying to do, because I keep bringing this up. But I'm really, really concerned about the Brewers' offense. This is their lineup from last night. Ryan Healy, who was replaced by Logan Morrison. Keston here, Christian Yelich. We know what those two got. We like those guys. But then the rest of the order is Avi Garcia, Jed Jerko, Justin Smoke, Manny Pena, Orlando Arcia, and Ben Gamble. Omar Navaez, Brock Holt, and Eric Sogard also got at bats last night. I have no personal vendetta against Brock Holt. And I have no hate in my heart towards Ryan Healy. But those are replacement-level baseball players. This Brewers team made the postseason last year. They should have had the manager of the year, and they would have had the MVP had Christian Yelich not fractured his kneecap. They're less than two years removed from being one game from the World Series. And David Stearns flipped this roster over and let the salary of Moustakis and Grandal and even Eric Thames go so he could sign these guys? I don't know how they're going to score runs. Last night, the Brewers had six ups at the end of the game, six at-bats between the 8th and the ninth. 
to make up one run and then two runs in the ninth because Corey Knable gave up gave up that extra run. The hitters they sent to the plate were Justin Smoke, Omar Navias, Brock Holt, Ben Gamble, and Logan Morrison. What? That's not exactly a great group of hitters. That's, that's not a, a string of batters you want at the plate trying to come from behind to win a game. Those guys stink. Once again, it's not personal, but they stink. And then in the ninth, Keston here and Yelich got an up. Hira had a double, and, and Yelich had an opportunity to tie things with a home run. He didn't. Whatever. Yelich couldn't get it done. And quite frankly, if Christian Yelich doesn't immediately start hitting 360, the Brewers aren't going to be scoring runs, especially with Lorenzo Cain not in the lineup. Sorry, but Ryan Healy and Logan Morrison as a tandem leadoff hitter, it ain't going to work. They're just not going to be able to score runs. I want to continue to talk about the Brewers, but let's take a break. I want to talk about Corbin Burns because he was both brilliant and horrible last night. Corbin Burns has a really... He's a really unique talent for that, right? Having an amazing start that's negated by only one or two pitches. Home run ball will typically do that. We'll talk about Corbin Burns and and the enigma that he has become. We'll talk about that coming up. Bart Winkler from the fan coming up in about 15 minutes as well. Brewers talk. We'll get to the Bucks before 6 o'clock as well, too. That's all coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I'm having an excellent evening, having a blast. Hope you're doing well as well. I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to our good friend, one of my favorite recurring guests, Bart Winkler. Last time he was on the show, if I remember correctly, he told us a story about falling asleep in the Rudy's parking lot. So who knows what awaits coming up in 10 minutes when he joins us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. In the meantime, we're talking Brewers. They lost last night 6-4, to four, and once again, only seven games in. We have a lot to learn about this team, so I'm not trying to overreact or treat anything like too big of a deal. That's not what I'm trying to do, but I don't want to ignore warning signs, right? I don't want to ignore clues, and I don't want to ignore little hints that this team might be giving us. Look, the offense isn't great, and it's not going to be great because they don't really have a lot of star power in that batting order. I had Radio Joe on last week, and I... I didn't try to necessarily sound the alarm with him, but I said, Joe, I, I'm looking at this this roster and this batting order, and I don't I don't know where the runs are going to come from. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, and he mentioned all the guys. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know the guys on the team. I I don't know where the runs are going to come from. So I want to talk to that with uh, talk about that with Bart Winkler coming up, but I don't want to talk about the offense right now. I want to talk about Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is an enigma. Which, and I think I have a decent vocabulary. I want to make sure. I'm going to look it up real quick. Enigma. I believe that that means that something is puzzling or difficult to understand. Okay, yes, I am using that correctly. It's it's uh, concerningly close to enema. So I wanted to make sure I have that right. Corbin Burns is an enigma. And last night, that kind of showed up as well. Because we can come away from a Corbin Burns outing believing that he was tremendous and that he also wasn't very good. I think his his... Start a week ago Saturday against the Cubs kind of reflected that. Like, he made some good pitches and showed that he's got some really good stuff. But he didn't make it very far into the game, and he struggled to sit down batters, had issues with walks. Corbin Burns can both impress and disappoint at the same time. He is an enigma, not an enema. Different words. Want to make 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 that very clear. And I think that I can fix Corbin Burns. I think I can fix this issue. And I want to explain myself. I have never played baseball. I've never coached baseball. I've never been a part of a baseball team at any level. But 
This seems common sense to me, and I think I'm onto something here. I think this is cutting edge. Now, if you were listening and you're a baseball coach, or maybe you're a personal trainer, or maybe you played college baseball, maybe you played with the loggers or in the, in the pros. I don't, I don't know. If I'm wrong, please, 608-796-2558. Shoot me a text on the five-star telecom talking text line and, and tell me I'm full of it. But I think this is common sense, and I will now fix Corbin Burns. I, I will fix him. Here we go. Let me explain myself. Last night's game took three hours and 43 minutes. It started at 7.10, and I didn't turn off my TV until after 11. This game took forever. Now, there's a few reasons why. I I said right off the bat, both managers were playing matchups. They were switching in and out, a lot of pitchers and a lot of hitters. That takes time. Combined, the Brewers and the White Sox used 12 pitchers. That is a lot. And when you switch pitchers in and out, that takes a lot of time. Which, by the way, I thought Major League Baseball was supposed to solve that problem by instituting a three-batter minimum. I, I I fail to see how that impacted last night's game as it took three hours and 45 minutes, but nonetheless, I digress. That's not what we're talking about. The Sox and the Brewers used 12 pitchers combined, but Corbin Burns pitched the most innings of all for either team. He went three and two-thirds innings. The next closest was Brett Anderson, who went three. The White Sox starter went two. They had another pitcher go two, but otherwise, guys were throwing one inning, two-thirds of an inning, a third of an inning. Corbin Burns was the only pitcher to pitch a substantial stretch of the game. Three and two-thirds innings. And you know why the game took so long last night, other than all the pitching changes? Is Corbin Burns pitched a lot of innings, and he moves slowly. He takes forever! He takes forever. He throws so many pitches. He's always battling and working every count, and he takes guys full, and he messes around in the count, and he gets behind when he doesn't have to, and he walks too many guys. He takes forever, both in his mechanics, right? He's not Brent Suter. He doesn't fire the ball right away. He's got to take a lap around the mound, take his glove off, squish the ball, lick his hand, put the glove back on, read the signs, shake it off, nod it, adjust the hat, get into the windup and deliver. And on top of his slow mechanics, he also loves working the count. So you combine those two things and he takes forever. He takes absolutely forever. He works too hard. He thinks too hard. That's Corbin Burns' problem. Now, I think Corbin Burns is an amazing pitcher. An amazing pitcher. And if you go on Twitter or you do any reading, I do most of my sports reading, of course, at WK2iSports.com, but also through sites like The Athletic and and what's reported by Ken Rosenthal, who's with The Athletic, or uh, Jeff Passan with ESPN is really, really informative as well. When you read about Corbin Burns, the word stuff shows up a lot. He's got nasty stuff. That's all we hear about, right? He's got some of the best stuff I've ever seen in a young pitcher. He has the stuff to be one of the best players in baseball. He's got a sinker, slider, changeup, curveball, fastball, two-seamer, four-seamer. Like He's got it all. He can throw it all. And his stuff is really good. It's really nasty. When you talk about Corbin Burns, you talk about his stuff. And he just needs to put it together, right? Well, if Corbin Burns' stuff is so great, then he should trust his stuff. He should let it rip. You ever watch Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes? Two great examples. They've never really needed great footwork. They've never really focused too much on throwing from from uh, natural platforms. Right? Aaron Rodgers will throw off his back foot. Patrick Mahomes will be running around. He'll throw back across his body, back across the field. They don't need great footwork or structure because they have a great arm. They have the talent. Right? Now, Aaron Rodgers has also shown us that it's possible to trust your stuff too much. Or that doesn't mean you need no mechanics. That doesn't mean you need to just throw the ball everywhere from terrible platforms into terrible windows because every once in a while you're going to get bit. We saw that with Rodgers this last year. 
But the most talented quarterbacks don't need to worry about those things. Jay Cutler loved to throw off his back foot. Interception almost every time. Aaron Rodgers can get away with it. Patrick Mahomes can get away with it because they have great stuff. They have a very talented arm. I think that Corbin Burns is Aaron Rodgers, is Patrick Mahomes. He's got the arm talent. He has got something in his arm that allows him to pitch better than most other pitchers. His stuff is great. And if his his stuff is so great, then he doesn't need to take so long to, to think about it. You don't need to ponder every pitch and every moment. You don't need to worry about working the count. Just get up there and rip it. You got you got great stuff. And that's 90 that's 90% of the battle. Now Corbin Burns has got to get good at pitch selection and he's got to tweak his mechanics and his delivery. He's got to do all that. But if you have great stuff like Corbin Burns does, you're most of the way there. Get up there and pitch confidently. Attack hitters, pound the zone. Don't worry about working the count and taking forever. Because if Corbin Burns continues to pitch this way, we're going to have a lot of these appearances over the next couple of years where we go, wow, did he look really great, but he still gave up a couple of runs. He can be both great and just infuriating at the same time. He's an enigma. If Corbin Burns wants to become less of an enigma and more of a sure thing, he's got to stop thinking so hard and pitching so hard and worrying so hard. Just get up there and rip it. Here's another example. Does anyone think Brent Suter is an elite pitcher? Does anybody talk about Brent Suter's stuff? Like, do you go on Twitter and see baseball accounts tweeting uh, videos of Brent Suter's pitches? No, nobody nobody thinks that of Brent Suter. He was a 31st round pick. He was drafted in 2012, debuted four years later. Corbin Burns zipped through the minors in two years and was a contributing clutch moment arm on a team that made the NLCS. Brent Suter's not an elite talent. He's not an elite pitcher. Now, I love Brent Suter, but he's not an elite talent. Nobody talks about his stuff as some of the best stuff in the league. He's not really a starter, not really a reliever. But you know what Brent Suter does? He gets up there and he rips it. He moves quickly and he attacks hitters and he puts them on the defensive. If Corbin Burns can be more like Brent Suter and less like Jeremy Jeffress, he's going to be a lot more effective. Just speed things up. Think less. Ponder less. Work the count less and just trust your stuff. That's 90% of the battle. Just watch Rodgers and Mahomes. Forget footwork. Forget structure. Sometimes they're so great it doesn't matter. And I think Corbin Burns is an athlete and a performer and a pitcher just like that. I think he's Rodgers and Mahomes. He's just got something in his arm. He's got to think less. Just get out there and do it. And I think he'll be a lot better pitcher for it. I want to continue to talk about the Brewers and maybe we'll get to the Bucks. I This game this afternoon, they didn't play their starters in the second half, right? They played a bunch of G League guys. We'll talk about it before 6 o'clock, but I want to spend most of our time with Bart talking about the Brewers. We'll talk to him coming up next on the 5 Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Follow me on Twitter at Keystroker Grant. The weekend tweets in, and you know what? I really, I really appreciate this. He says going in on the Brewers lineup right now, talking about me. Preach, brother. These guys stink. Glad it's a fake season anyway. You know what? Like I don't, I don't wake up in the morning with the plan to come here and hate on our Milwaukee Brewers. That's not what I want to do. But I don't see how they're going to score runs. I, 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 that's what I keep coming back to. I, I just don't feel great about that. Joining us now on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line, uh, that's Bart Winkler. You can hear him in the mornings on The Fan in Milwaukee. He is a UWL Eagle like myself, like Justin Garcia, like Brian Gutekunst. And I, Bart, I listened to you for a couple of minutes this morning, and I heard you make that joke 
uh, that you and Brian Gutekunst, both UWL alum, that's kind of a bit that I hammer very obnoxiously, and it's and I very much enjoy it. I'm glad to hear you doing that in, in the morning as well. Well, the problem for me is, you know, I try to be one with all my fellow Eagles out there, alumni and current, but I don't I don't think I like uh, the path that Gutekunst is going down. I, I listened to these guys talk this weekend, just the whole thing with Rodgers and Love and how long is he going to stay? And I've already been calling for Matt LaFleur to be fired on my show. So, you know, the, this Packer thing, it's, you know, it's a confusing year. And so I have confusing thoughts about a lot of the, my confusing teams. I'm too deep. I'm too deep. I have made too many Brian Gutekunst UWL jokes on Twitter. I've blindly agreed with everything he's ever done for the sake of his uh, UWL, you know, history. I, I can't back out. I, I got to back him. Uh, we were talking a little bit off the air. I, I watched the Bucks game this afternoon, and then I watched the end of the, the Kings game. So the Kings are my Western Conference team. I have a couple friends in in, in lacrosse that we just we I don't know what it is. We just we just love the Kings. I I, I don't know if we need like another perennial disappointing team in the Western Conference alongside. <laughs> yeah, why, what the hell? <laughs> exactly. I don't know what it is, but I love them. And I know you've been watching this this Western Conference playoff race as well. And you're telling me off the air that Devin Booker hit a game winner, and now I see it, and it was against the Clippers. This is awesome. It's it's like a playing game for the NCAA tournament. I love that they invited a couple extra teams in the West. Yeah, you wondered why they did that at first, and that maybe was the biggest win, sadly, of. Devin Booker's career so far, but <laughs> you know, you, you look at how they did this, and there was a lot of discussion in the NBA. Do you go right to the playoffs? What do you do? And so they came up with this plan where nine teams from the East, as we know, and 13 from the West, and what well, we thought, well, okay, most of this is just going to be like tune-ups for the real playoffs, because you, you don't want the playoffs to start and people be a little rusty. Like in, in game two for the Bucks, Giannis was tired at the end of that game, and we could talk about what happened today, but you don't you don't want to be rusty, so let's let's have these eight seeding games. I don't even think the NBA realized like how competitive these Western Conference teams would be. You've got all these teams fighting for at least that eight nine matchup for a playing game. The Suns came in the worst of all of them, and they're three now since this bubble hit. The Spurs have been playing well, nearly beating the Sixers last night. After Popovich is like, yeah, we're not going to try. They've been playing great, so the most competitive games. You know, really, this whole bubble's been great. You look at the Bucks, Celtics, Bucks, Rockets. Those games theoretically mean very, very little. Oh yeah, super competitive games. The Lakers have been in some battles. This Clippers Sun game today. It's just, it's been really great to see these guys just provide such great entertainment, and they look like they're having a ball too. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. I wish my Kings wouldn't have blown the lead and then lost in overtime today. But you know, whatever. That's the life of a Kings fan. It's fine. It's what we signed. <laughs> This is what we sign up for. I have a couple things I want to hit on the Brewers. I had your uh, coworker, Radio Joe, on last week. And, of course, we hear him on, on WKTY as a part of oh, the show. Oh, sorry to hear that. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I've always known Radio Joe as the pessimist. But I had him on last week, and I said, Joe. And this has kind of been my big take the last couple weeks. The Brewers lost their second and third biggest run producers from last year. And their fifth, if you want to talk about Eric Thames. I don't know where the runs are going to come from. Look, I, I'm not overreacting to any of these losses. Council pulls Burns one hitter sooner last night, and they probably win. I, it's it's fine. I don't mind Council. I don't mind the, the pitching so far. But this batting order sucks. Like, they, they're not going to be able to score any runs. I don't know where the, where the offense is going to come from. All right. If you could do me a favor, because, um, you know, I talked about this, too. Look, the Brewers had a really tough weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they – Pat Murphy had a heart attack, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. On top of not playing, Kane leaves, Bronze hurt. So it's a really tough weekend. So 
I'm talking about the game, and I'm like you. I'm trying to be measured. I don't want to blow up over one game. But then I'm looking at this lineup. I didn't see the lineup today. Do you have it where you can read it to me? Uh, yeah, I have it in front of me. So there, like, there were a couple substitutions. They were playing so much matchups last night. But it, it Ryan Healy and Logan Morrison were your leadoff hitters. And then what here, is the lineup today? Do you oh, know today? Uh, the lineup today. Yeah, I can get that up. Just give me a sec. Of course, I'll, I'll also this will be a good opportunity for me to tweet it out at WKTY on Twitter as well. So this is the lineup today. Uh, Sogard is back in the leadoff spot, and then Hira Yelich. Garcia, Smoke, Morrison, Narvaez, Gamble, Holt. Okay, so, I mean, last year you had Braun, Kane, Moose, Grandal, Yelich, Hira, some combination in the top six. You look, even even as an optimistic Brewer fan, you start to look at today's lineup, and thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sogard, okay, at least he's getting on base, and then Yelich, Hira, okay, these guys are cornerstones. <laughs> Garcia... You know, you had a good night last night. Okay, we'll see. And then it's just, this is what this team is full of. And they might be a team more than any other team that's going to benefit if it fails for the Brewers this year. Well, it was just a weird year. You know, it's a weird year. Because I think had they played a full season, this team doesn't do very well. They've got a lot of these guys that are sort of in the same category. It's like... And the Packers kind of did this, too. They let these guys walk, and then they replace them with cheaper versions that don't even give them as much production. I mean, if you get a cheaper version of a guy and get the same production, that's one thing. But if you get a cheaper version of, you know, Omar Narvaez, a cheaper, not-as-good version of Grandal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Logan Morrison and Justin Smoke, cheaper, not-as-good versions of Eric Thames. And, and Logan Morrison, Smoke, as I mentioned, Brock Holt. And these are nice guys, and you want to like them, but it's just it's a lot of guys that yeah, I've said the lottery ticket thing before, but these are already lottery tickets where there's just like one square to scratch off, and it's likely not going to be a winner. These are just journeyman guys getting you know two three million dollar salaries, and Stearns is trying to see if it will stick, and I think that that's been a problem for him this off season. I, he did not have a good off season. I, no. I know that there's a lot of. Stearns defenders and Stearns has made a lot of good moves. I mean, the Christian Yelich thing, it's like with John Hammond. He drafted Giannis, so anything else he did, who cares? He did, he did the thing, and, and Stearns did the thing too. But this offseason, right down to the Trent Grisham trade, which looks really bad now in hindsight. Yeah, it does. Especially with Lorenzo Cain leaving. And then the pitchers, Josh Lindblom, Brett Anderson, it's the same kind of thing, these journeyman guys. It's just a lot of... A lot of guys that maybe they figure it out, maybe they go on a run, but the star power is not there. There's no intimidation. It's just you, you're not an opposing team, and you look at this lineup and say, "Oh, we gotta we gotta bat around this guy, or we gotta pitch around this guy." I mean, for goodness sakes, Christian Yelich, they walked here to get the Yelich last night. Mm-hmm. If, if you're walking to get the Yelich, where is the fear in this lineup? So whatever you're ranting about, keep it up because this lineup is. Uh, to use Cato Kalen, popular brewer friend, puke. Uh, puke. His lineup is puke. <laughs> I love Cato. So comparing it to the Cubs lineup, I got that in front of me now. Once you get past the three spot, which is Bryant Rizzo Baez, on the Brewers, I-, I feel like a pitcher could cruise right through, right? Okay, fine. Well, we get through Yelich. Now I can relax until the top of the order. The Cubs lineup, you still got to go through Contreras, Hayward, Kipnis, Hap, who's been great so far. I, I just, there's a lot of pitchers. Uh, or a lot of hitters, rather, in the Brewers lineup where pitchers can just kind of relax, and that's not a good recipe for scoring runs. And and I pointed out the end of the game last night when the Brewers had six ups. 
to try to make up first one run and then two, right? Your home opener, you can try to steal this one away and, and get a couple last inning runs. And for those six ups, or at least the first the first five, they sent up Smoke, Narvaez, Holt, Gamble, Morrison. What part of that is exciting at all? Uh, I'll tell you, none of it. Okay. It's really bad. I'm glad you brought up the Cubs. I, you know, if there was a full season, I was going to be very low on the Brewers. And I kind of talked myself into thinking that they'd be a little better because I, the guy they got going tonight, I mean, Brandon Woodruff is an ace. He is. And I, I think the world of him. And I think Corbin Burns is going to be right up there. And I know he gave up the home run last night, but I don't think he's that far away. So I kind of talked myself into the pitching staff and Craig Council. You watch the first couple of weeks of the season, you got to be really impressed with the Cubs. I hate to say it. The Cubs have had, first of all, they're like the one team that took this seriously before all these guys started getting COVID. Mm-hmm. And then just even in that opening series against the Brewers, there's no fans, sure, but those guys were going nuts in the in the dugout. I thought they might be bad because David Ross, what does he know? He's friends with these guys. I don't know, man. The Cubs right now seem to be the team to beat in the NL Central. And then the Reds have been a little disappointing. The Brewers, you know, who knows? Although they'll win tonight because they've been alternating win-losses. So mm-hmm. Brewers will win tonight. You heard it here first. And then uh, the Cardinals, I don't even know if they'll finish the season. So that's just it. it's a whole it's a whole mess in the Central. But the Cubs seem to be the team right now to, to look up to. Well, I picked the Cubs to win if it's any consolation. Well, it's consolation for me. I don't know about you. I did my division predictions the week of uh, the opening of baseball, and I picked the Cubs to win. Like, it's it's their time. They've been talented. They just haven't been able to make it happen the last couple of years. I The Cubs aren't surprising me, but they do look to have an energy and a juice, and I don't know, maybe that's David Ross, or maybe, I, I don't know what it is, but they, they seem to have that juice. Uh, Bart Winkler from the, uh, not the zone, uh, but the fan, uh, not our sister station, but a station in Milwaukee, 105.7, uh, he does the morning show there. Okay, this is the final thing I want to put on you, and you need to give me just a sec to kind of set it up. I don't have you on to just listen to myself talk, but you need you need a little context on this take. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out Corbin Burns, right? Like, he finds a way to be both good and bad in the same outing, right? You can watch him and be yeah, like... Yeah, he can look great and then end the game with like a 9 ERA. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. And I've been trying to figure that out. So I'm I'm looking at the stats from last night's game. It took three hours and 43 minutes last night. Now, there were 12 pitching changes, so that'll do it. But Corbin Burns pitched the longest of any pitcher. He went three and two-thirds. He takes forever, right? Now, Bart, I have never played baseball at any level, but this seems like common sense to me. I know how to fix Corbin Burns. He's got to speed up his pace. He overthinks, and he overpitches, and he works the count more often than he needs to. All we hear about Bart, and you know this because you're on Twitter like I am, all you see is his stuff is amazing. He has the best stuff. He's got the stuff to be one of the best pitchers. If his stuff is that good, just trust it. Just get up there and rip. Don't labor. You can just see it in his face. He's overthinking everything in the dugout. He looked like he was going to cry. Just get up there and rip it. I, I said with Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, they have the arm talent to throw off whatever platform at whatever angle. They don't need to focus on the mechanics like other guys do. Corbin Burns has the stuff. Like those guys, those guys have the arm talent. So I think the, what the Brewers should do is put him on a, in practice, put him on a pitch clock and say, hey, we, we need you to work quicker. We need you to be more confident like Brent Suter and attack hitters and let your stuff speak for itself. And I think that will fix him. What do you, what do you say? I wonder, I, I think that's a good idea. I wonder what the execution of that would be like. Because, yeah, if you had him work with Suter and then, you know, I don't know if anyone else is going to throw that quickly in between pitches. But I wonder, too, if you ask Suter, like, hey, slow down. I wonder, you know, if his if his skill wouldn't be as good. I don't know. I, I don't I think the mental 
the mental thing is one aspect to it, but the physical part, could he do it? Could he do it any quicker and still do it as physical? It's such an interesting, you know, position, the pitcher where you got to stretch him out and they can't have too many days off. And maybe that was a problem for Brett Anderson to keep getting postponed and postponed. But that was, yeah, I, you know what, Grant, I, I'm going to tell you, I like your, I like your thinking. It's worth a try because Burns does have great stuff. And the last thing I want to see is it not get utilized to his full potential. They really could have, with him and Woodruff, a one-two, unlike few other teams in this league. Woody's done his part. He's there. Yeah. I expect him to have a big night tonight. Burns, on the other hand, you're right. It just it seems like, well, I watched the game. He pitched very, very well. And then I checked the box score. Huh, I, I guess he gave up four runs. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. And exactly. I, yeah, this is very weird with him. He lets one or two batters completely submarine what is otherwise a really, really good performance. That was the, it was day two against the Cubs. It was the same thing. Like, yeah, he made some yeah. great pitches, but he also he couldn't get outs. Like, he, he would just get, would get stuck. Um, Really briefly, before I let you go, where do you stand on, on Josh Hader right now? Because I, I, I think somebody from the Journal Sentinel pointed this out last night on Twitter, and I looked into it. The Brewers, in their two of their last three games, have blown double-digit run leads in the seventh inning or later without ever using Josh Hader. Do you have a theory on why maybe Craig Council's been a little bit hesitant to use him? Because I, I think we figured out the equation, right? Brewers got to be winning, right? They, he won't use him when they're behind. He won't use him as, as a closer or as a starter, right? We've taken the last couple of years to figure out Craig Council's mindset with Hader, and he's kind of going against that this year. They haven't used him, and they've lost a couple of games in the process. Maybe he doesn't have confidence in him, or, or maybe he's trying to get more confidence in these other guys, he said that about Phelps last night. He said, look, I had confidence in him, so I, I went to him. Hater, let me tell you about Corbin Burns and Josh Hater. I went to one of the scrimmages uh, during the blue-gold thing. Burns was throwing a no-hitter in, th- in four innings against his own team, mm-hmm. but I was going to count it. But then Hater came in, and he gave up the first hit right away. And then, you know, that recalled me back to how he looked in the, the wild-card game last year. I've always thought that the Brewers' plan with him was to wear him out and then cast him aside. Yeah. They haven't given him. They fight him in arbitration. They won't give him a multi-year deal. They've got him under arbitration and control for, like, another three years. I've always just felt like, yeah, Hater is amazing, and the Brewers know that, but they're going to – I just I've always got a weird feeling about how they wanted to use him. Maybe they don't have as much confidence in him right now, but I, I don't – you know, people that say, oh, you should – Give him the extension or lock him up or make sure he's paid. I don't think the Brewers ever care to do that. And I think that, honestly, we may – I don't want this to bite me, but we may start <laughs> to be seeing the downward trend of Hader. And he's still very good. But I just – I think that they have just overused him a little bit to get to the playoffs those last couple of years. And I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not as confident as I used to be with him in there. Maybe the Brewers aren't either. I just I'm always I've always been curious about what their end game is with him because it always does seem like they are taking advantage of him being very very cheap and being under team control for a long long time. It's a good theory mm-hmm. when you're the GM and you're trying to build a, a roster on a video game, but when you've got the actual players that are going through it, I, I sometimes I don't think these GMs that are so analytical, which is fine. I just I don't think they think of the human concept in there at all maybe that's getting to hater too yeah i'd love to talk about this more bart i gotta take a break because i have to i have to talk about this bucks game from this afternoon i'm gonna well here i'll just let you know i'm gonna compare it to day drinking i I think this game was day drinking personified it had highs and lows 
I was exhausted by the end. It seemed like a good idea until I was halfway through, and then I was upset that I was watching. Do you think that's a good take? That's what I was going to end the show with. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, yes, don't waste it on me. Well, Share yeah, with the listeners. Well, yeah, that's what I got. That's what I got to use coming up next. So I, I would love to talk about Brewers, but I got to talk about this Bucks game, even though I'm, I'm really not that interested by it. Thanks for the time, Bart. I hope to talk soon. That's always how I end these interviews, but I, I do, I do want to have you back as always. You're one of my favorite guests. So thanks for the time, Bart. Be well. Yeah, and hello to lacrosse and all my fellow Eagles. Hey, God, I love that. Thanks, Bart. That's Bart Winkler from the fan in Milwaukee. And you know what? He flies his Eagles pride loud and clear, just like I do. And just like our fellow alumni, Brian Gudikins does as well, who is, if you haven't heard, the general manager for the Packers. So we're going to talk about day drinking and whatever the Bucks did this afternoon. That's coming up next as we wrap up the Wisco Sports. <laughs> Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Grant Bills. One big thank you once again to Bart Winkler for joining us on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. You can find him on Twitter at WinksThinks. And if you go to our Twitter at WKTY, you will see that I quoted him and make sure that we saved in writing his prediction that the Brewers will win tonight. He was very confident about that. So I just wanted to give him credit and save it in writing. And if it doesn't come true, I don't know. Should I do it? Should I... Should I get at him and I should should I share it or should I delete it and, and bail him out? We'll, we'll see how the how the Brewer game goes tonight. Thanks to Bart, you should follow him on Twitter at Wings Thanks. Uh, okay, so final segment. I I've enjoyed talking about the Brewers today, but I feel a certain responsibility to talk about the Bucks game this afternoon. They played the Nets. Now they lost one nineteen to one sixteen. I okay, I don't I don't care. I was gonna I was gonna put a video on Twitter today and caption it my thoughts about the Bucks nets game, and then it was going to be me eating my salad, which I brought for lunch, and it was going to be four seconds of me saying, who gives a, you know, with the S word. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care about this game at all. If Coach Bud would have played starters, fine. But Brooke Lopez didn't play. Wesley Matthews didn't play. Giannis and Middleton didn't play in the second half. I, like, how am I supposed to judge this game? That, that's a completely different team. That's not even the Milwaukee Bucks. That's that's a bench squad. That's a G League two-way squad. Frank Mason played 18 minutes. Like, how am, I, how am I supposed to judge that? Well, they were sloppy and they were poor defensively. Well, yeah, they were poor defensively at the rim because Brooke Lopez didn't play. And they were sloppy because they didn't play Eric Bledsoe very much. And it was his first game back. So their, their main ball handlers weren't on the court most of the game. I How am I supposed to judge this game? I don't know. I'm not. I, I don't care that they lost. I don't. I don't. I, I, and I told this to Bart before we said goodbye to him. This is what I think. This game was day drinking. That, that's what this game was. Now, it started at 1230. It's, it's not because of the time of day. It just also happened to be at the time where you would typically start day drinking. But this game was day drinking personified. It had highs and lows. And by the end, I was exhausted and ready for it to be done. Right? Like, day drinking always seems like an amazing idea. It's like Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, and you're looking at your friends or your coworkers, and you're like, hey, hey, let's... Let's sit out in the yard and day drink on Saturday. Let's start at 2 p.m. And you're all like, yes, that's such a good idea. Absolutely. And then you're making plans. You're like, oh, I'm going to get a 30 rack of this. You bring a six pack of this, right? We'll play darts or we'll play beanbags. Oh, yeah, I'll bring my speaker. I love day drinking. And then Saturday rolls around and then, you know, you get two hours into it. And then by 5 p.m. you want to go to bed. Day drinking. Great idea. Always sounds appealing. And then when you're in the middle of it and towards the end, you're like, okay, this is... This ain't it, right? 
This was a bad idea. No, that doesn't mean you don't do it again the next weekend. And I will I will tune in the next time the Bucks play the Nets at 12.30 in the afternoon. I'll be there again like a sucker. But but this game was day drinking personified. Seemed like a great idea at the start, but then by the end, you're like, this ain't this this ain't it. The Nets started this game 10 for 15 at the rim, and they shot very, very well from three. Now, they took a lot of threes, too, and they really cooled off in the second half. Look, all things considered, everything that went poorly in the first half, the Nets hit a ton of threes. They scored 40 points in the first quarter, 33 in the second. They only scored 21 and 25 in the third and the fourth. They cooled off. They're a bunch of G League players. So when their shooting stroke got cold, the Bucks pulled closer, but they had no Giannis, they had no Middleton, no Bledsoe, no Lopez, no Matthews. They were playing G Leaguers. They are playing DJ Wilson. So they made it close, but they weren't able to come all the way back. The Nets started 10 of 15 at the rim, which is a bad look for the Bucks. but that only happened because Brooke Lopez, who's arguably the best shot blocker and rim defender in the league, he didn't play. I, there's no way to judge this team based off this game. Now, I'd feel a lot better if the Bucks would have won today. But then again, even if the Bucks would have won, what would that have win? What would that win really have told us? If Frank Mason, DJ Wilson, and Ursan would have made the comeback in the final two minutes and won that game, do we all of a sudden feel way better about the Bucks? I, I wouldn't have, because it was Frank Mason, DJ Wilson, and Ursan who won't be playing in the postseason. I, I just don't care that much about this game. It was, it was whatever. Every, everybody jumped to Twitter after it was over. It's like, hey, can you believe the Nets? Beat the Bucks. It's like, well, that really wasn't the Nets. That was a collection of G-Leaguers. And that really wasn't the Bucks. That was their collection of G-Leaguers. But once again, as I've said on the show before, NBA fans, quote-unquote, they don't watch games. They just show up to Twitter after the fact and try to get their jokes in. Whatever. Tomorrow, we'll talk about the Packers because Lafleur and Gutekunst and Rodgers, they've all been speaking, and I'm not a big fan of press conferences, but we'll dig into that and continue to get ready for training camp, whatever training camp looks like in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. We'll get to that tomorrow. Finally talk some Packers here on the Wisco Sports Show. Same time, same place. Talk to you then.